0: through contemplative practice, by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So good to see so many faces on the screen this morning. Smiley, smiley, happy people. So if you're here in New York City, you're experiencing the heat wave. Pretty uh, intense it's gonna be today, apparently. The opening line for today's text. The coming of the first ancestor from Bodhidharma will never happen again. So why is Bodhidharma considered the first ancestor of Chinese Zen? Most Chinese Buddhism at that time was based on sutras and traditions. Bodhidharma claimed that the scriptures weren't that important. He taught that silence and experiential meditation rather than just receiving sutras could be the secret to great insights. His style of teaching was to point to rather than telling or explaining. There's a famous story of Bodhidharma meeting Emperor Wu. The emperor was a devout Buddhist. He sent for Bodhidharma, he'd heard about this uh, Indian monk coming from China and uh, had heard all these great stories about how intense, how different Bodhidharma was kind of a little bit of a trickster. Uh, He had a sense of humor about him. The emperor was kind of, you know, curious. So Bodhidharma came to Emperor Wu and and the emperor asked him, how much merit have I gained by being so generous, building temples and making donations to all the monks Bodhidharma replied, none whatsoever, infuriating the emperor. The emperor figured that with all his money he had poured into the temples and by supporting the Sangha, he would have accrued plenty of good karma. Bodhidharma knew that that these grand gestures, spending all this money on temples and throwing around we're all about his ego, and not about doing good for others. You know, for him it was like a big showy thing. You know, look at all this money I'm spending. Look at all those beautiful temples that only exist because of my generosity. Me, me, me. On the outside, it looked great. You know, he's this you know, really beneficent uh, emperor, but actually, it was all about him. His I, I. Bodhidharma saw it straight through this. Bodhidharma said, no merit whatsoever. The emperor replied, if there is no merit, then what's the essence of Buddhism? What's the point? What's the meaning? Bodhidharma said, empty. Nothing holy. Now this really pissed off the emperor. What do you mean? Empty. So in this story what's happening here is Bodhidharma is pointing, remember Bodhidharma's thing was to point to, not to explain or to tell, but to point to something, to, to, for each of us to Find our own way into the, uh, the, sto- the koan, if you like. Although they weren't, they weren't uh, wasn't really teaching koans at that point. But find your own way into the story, your own meaning. So in this story, he's pointing the emperor towards his own realization. I'm not going to tell you that this is all about you and your ego. I want you to realize this for yourself his actions were empty, you know. There is no merit, there is no gaining. There's a famous uh, four-line teaching from what's attributed to Bodhidharma, anyway. It really speaks to what we're looking at today, what the essence, if you like, of Bodhidharma A special transmission outside the scriptures, not depending on words and letters, directly pointing to the mind, seeing into one's true nature and attaining Buddhahood. Not depending on words and letters, remember Bodhidharma thought that the scriptures and sutras were not as important as just sitting in silent meditation. So not depending on words and letters. Directly pointing to the mind. If you can hear, if you're on the upper west side, by any chance, you can hear that siren going by. Uh, Ambulance. It's interesting that our, excuse me, a little bit of the talk this morning is about the wisdom before knowing and yeah i hear the sound of the the ambulance and then the thought comes ah ambulance But that moment before it's just the scream of the ambulance siren that one hears before putting a label on it Today's reflection is how do you differentiate between wisdom and knowing? That's the first line of today's reflection. So this morning we chanted the Heart Sutra as we do every Sunday morning. And I encourage you to chant the Heart Sutra every morning at home. Really get the Heart Sutra, bring the Heart Sutra into the body. It begins Maha Prajna Paramita Heart Sutra. Maha, great. Pra is before. J- and Ya, Prajna, the Ya of that is wisdom. So it's the great perfection of wisdom. Heart Sutra. Before knowing Prajna Paramita. Avalokiteshvara, doing deep Prajna Paramita, clearly saw emptiness of all the five conditions, thus relieving misfortune and pain. Avalokiteshvara doing deep prajna paramita clearly saw emptiness of all the five conditions. That wisdom. The five conditions are form, conception, discrimination, sensation, and awareness. Prajna, that which comes before knowing. Remember that, that which comes before knowing. There's a koan, there's always a koan, right? Um, From the Blue Cliff Record, it's case number 89. Yun Yan asked Da Wu, what does the Bodhisattva of great compassion use so many hands and eyes for? Remember Avalokiteshvara is also Kuan Yin, Kanon, in the center, which we hope to get back to one day, on the altar there's that statue of Kanon, the Japanese version of Avalokiteshvara. And Kuan Yin is the one with all the arms, a thousand arms, and in each arm, and sorry, in each hand there's a an eye and there's a tool to help all those suffering in the world she who hears the cries of all suffering beings Avalokiteshvara, and there's a whole story about Avalokiteshvara, and uh, we don't have to go into today but you probably know it um, uh, so what does the bodhisattva of great compassion use so many hands and eyes for Wu said, it's like someone reaching back, groping for a pillow in the middle of the night. You know when you kind of, is asleep and they kind of reach back for the pillow, to adjust the pillow to the neck or the head. Then Yen said, I understand. And Wu said, how do you understand it? Then Yen said, all over the body are hands and eyes. Wu said, well, you've said quite a bit there, but you've only got 80% of it. What do you say, elder brother? And Wu said, throughout the body are hands and eyes. Right? So I'll read that straight through. Yun asked Dao Wu, What does the Bodhisattva of great compassion use so many hands and eyes for? Wu said, it's like someone reaching back, groping for a pillow in the middle of the night. Yen said, I I understand. And Wu said, how do you understand it? And Yen said, all over the body are hands and eyes. Wu said, you have said quite a bit there, but you've only got 80% of it. And Yen said, what do you say, elder brother? And Mu said, throughout the body are hands and eyes. Throughout the body, inside the body, every pore of the skin, throughout the body are hands and eyes. So if we look at just the first piece of this koan, what does the great Bodhisattva compassion use so many hands and eyes for? Mu said, It's like someone reaching back for a pillow in the night. So in my sleep, the wisdom of the body experiencing the uncomfortable reaching back, experiencing no thinking involved. So it's before that knowing, it's just automatically, The body is telling me I need to move, adjust the pillow. In my sleep. On Thursday morning, I'm thinking about this because boy chick's right next to me. On Thursday morning, two um, morning doves made a nest on our bedroom windowsill. And it's so weird because um, We don't get any light anymore on this side of the bedroom. So I put all these uh, clay pots on the windowsill and uh, (laughs) planted plastic flowers, right? So all year round, when we look out of the window, we have these beautiful plastic flowers (laughs) on the windowsill. It's like something my mother would have done at some point. (laughs) It's real kind of... uh, Well, I, I won't label it, but it's very funny <laughs> to be of these little plastic flowers. Anyway, these doves have made a nest on top of these plastic flowers. It's so cute. And uh, there are two eggs there. Um, and it takes about two weeks, actually, for the eggs to hatch, and then another two weeks uh, for the birds before they can fly away. And uh, <laughs> boy chick... Uh, cat, some of you know about Boy Chick, um is fascinated by what's happening outside the window. And he sits on the edge of the bed watching and he's like really, really still. And he can sit there for like an hour or two without even moving. He's just watching, watching, watching. How does he know the birds are a possible source of food for him right does wisdom arrive from instinct right that pillow in the middle of the night how does he know this primal knowing this prajna, it's so fascinating. We just have to make sure that boy doesn't actually jump onto the windowsill and scare the birds off. Cause I'm just longing to see the eggs hatch and the birds just be fed and then eventually fly away. Such a treat, such a beautiful, beautiful uh, gift we have. You know, this. Sh- you know, the sheltering in place, there's a, there's something... Uh, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? There's... Uh, I can't think of the word, but I just, being sheltered, such... The fact that we're sheltering in place, and then there's this gift of uh, life. Reminding us that there's still going on outside. It's beautiful. Right, boy, Jake. Boychick's going to get a brother in about three weeks and interestingly enough we've been trying to think of a name for his brother who's this another Maine Coon is red and orange and we came up with the name Bodhi Bodhi because remember Bodhi Dharma has this big red beard so we thought ah Bodhi so now we have Bodhi Bojcik in the house It's the sweetest thing ever. We should post a picture of him. He's like crazy. He's like a a cartoon cat. That'll be Bodhi coming into our house on August 8th. So excited. Here's an important teaching by Zen master Winnie the Pooh. Rabbits clever, said Pooh thoughtfully. Yes, said Piglet, rabbit's clever. And he has a brain. Yes, said Piglet, rabbit has a brain. There was a long silence. I suppose, said Pooh, that's why he never understands anything. Right? Thinks he knows it all. Rabbit's clever, said Pooh, thoughtfully. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit's clever, and he has a brain. Yes, said Piglet, rabbit has a brain. There was a long silence. I suppose, said Pooh, that's why he never understands anything. If if you've never read it, pick up a copy of the Tao of Pooh. Great stories, great co The second of today's reflection, the second line of today's reflection is falling down and getting up on the path is a place of practice. Falling down and getting up on the path is a place of practice. This past week, longtime Georgia Congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis died. So this is the second line, again, of today's reflection. Falling down and getting up on the path is a place of practice. And this from John Lewis. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. I'm repeating everything twice today. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. This practice that we are engaged in is about not getting lost in a sea of despair Never be afraid to make some noise. Don't get lost in words and sutras and pictures and ideas. Experience this practice for yourself. Sitting on the cushion. Sitting as Yes, there's plenty we can learn from Dogen from the great masters. It's all there. Words on paper. Sit on your cushion. Sit zazen. And wisdom before knowing. Before all your ideas of what you're doing, why you're doing it crop up, just sit, that's the practice.